It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Wanted to just hit you with a couple quick hitters, and then we'll hear from Raiders offensive line coach Carmen Brasillo. Met with the media following practice today. You also hear from Tyron Johnson, a.k.a. T. Billy. A couple sound bites from him. But the biggest news of the day was uh, Charger safety Derwin James. He signed a four-year, $76.5 million contract extension, $42 million in guaranteed money, uh, $29 million due to him in the first year of the deal. Uh, that was obviously a big deal. That was something that had been talked about quite a bit. He was on his way to getting that contract extension. I still remember when Derwin James... James got drafted. It was the same year Colton Miller got drafted. We were all at uh, the uh, Jerry's World AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And I remember I thought, man, the Raiders are going to go get Derwin James. They end up going and getting Colton Miller. Uh, I was upset at it by the at the moment. But now fast forward to 2022, and I still think the Raiders made the right choice in going and getting Colton Miller as opposed to Derwin James, who spent most of his career, in my opinion, injured. But still gets the bag from the Chargers. So he's part of the – He's part of the hype train that is the Chargers this year that makes everyone think that that, uh, that, that Chargers team and defense is going to be a killer because of Derwin James. But um, never matter any guy getting the bag. I will say, though, uh, multiple times that uh, he's been out and injured a lot of his career. So there's that. Speaking of injured and out for a lot of their career, former Raider first-round pick Carl Joseph looks like he's going to be out for the season with the Steelers. He suffered a, a season-ending foot injury in Saturday's preseason game against Seattle. So uh, that sucks for Carl Joseph. I think everyone kind of roots for him. Remember when the Raiders drafted him, number 14 overall out of West Virginia. He was banged up. He was coming off a torn ACL. I remember because I was covering the Big 12. I was like, man, this dude could be a hell of a player when healthy. But the problem is those last two words I said, when healthy, and throughout the course of his career, he just has not been available enough, and that's unfortunately the reality of it. And so Carl Joseph looked like he was going to get a chance with the Steelers this year. Uh, looks like he's going to miss the season with a foot injury. Uh, a couple more quick hitters. Uh, the Jaguars released veteran defensive tackle Malcolm Brown. He was a former first-round pick of the Patriots, started all 17 games last season for Jacksonville. And I'll say, and I wanted to bring this one up, just keep a name and keep an eye on that Malcolm Brown name just in case. It was a good sign with Jonathan Hankins coming back today. It was a good sign with Bilal Nichols. They looked the part. They looked very fresh today. But pay attention to Malcolm Brown just in case. Just in case the Raiders aren't seeing what they like from that interior uh, part of the defensive line. He is a guy, again, a former first-round pick out of UT that could be someone that Dave Ziegler and you know Patrick Graham and Champ Kelly and Josh McDaniels say, yeah, give this guy a call, see what he's got going on. Earlier today, the Chiefs wide receiver McCole Hardman was carted off at practice after being examined in the medical tent. Uh, they were looking at his left leg, and we all remember uh, Demarcus Robinson was released yesterday, and I said that my gut feeling was he's going to end up back in Kansas City. I don't know the severity of this injury to McCole Hardman, but it's never a good sign when you're carted off the field. So I don't know what happened. We'll find out sooner rather than later, but would not be shocked to see if Demarcus Robinson returns to Kansas City, especially if that injury to McCole Hardman is a pretty serious one. Uh, the Patriots and Panthers continue to uh, have their joint practices today. More multiple fights broke out, and more guys were uh, ejected from practice. And I don't think that that's a big surprise. Actually, uh, having joint practices with the Patriots was something that was talked about a lot in the media room today in anticipation of fights and just anticipations of going out there and competing against somebody who is not you know, the Raiders. And so uh, we'll see what happens next week when the Patriots come to town and they actually do have those joint practices um, I don't think that they're going to have a bunch of fights, but then again, like T. Billy said, you never know. It's football. It happens. It is what it is. The guys obviously aren't out there to try to injure each other uh, or anything like that, but 
you know, emotions run hot. Guys are trying to make teams, and, you know, you can appreciate that passion. So those are a couple quick hitters that I, I had for you now. Want to get into some sound from Coach Priscillo. Uh, he met with the media following practice. He was the first guy in the media room. So, obviously, the offensive line is something that is a hot topic with everyone, including myself, including anyone on this radio station, including anyone in Raider Nation. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. So, here's Coach Carmen Priscillo talking about the younger tackles on the squad in Alex Leatherwood and Thayer Munford. Yeah, I mean, I think you see, like anything, I just had a meeting with them. You'll, you'll see good, bad, and the ugly, like an old Clint Eastwood movie. Um, they're improving. They're, they're working on their craft. Uh, I think the position, especially a tackle, as challenging it is in this league, um, it's, it's got to be constant improvement. We can't ever get satisfied. Um, you look at a like guy like Colton Miller who you know has been, what, fifth year here, talented guy, and he is out there early, one of the first ones, stays late to work on his craft. So, I mean, but um, Thayer and, and Alex are, are doing their part, and, and they're looking to improve every day. So there's uh, offensive line coach Carmen Brasillo talking about Alex Leatherwood there. Munford there. Munford left the practice earlier today, little dinged up. Don't know the severity of that. We asked, uh, or Vinny asked Coach Brasillo after that, and he gave a you know quick answer about, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to get uh, updated by Josh sooner rather than later or something like that. It was very short, so it was really a whole lot of nothing when it came to that answer. So we'll have to wait to see the injury and the severity of it to Thayer Munford. But that would be a big blow, man, and, and not because – I went into training camp thinking that the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State was going to end up being a stud on the offensive line. But you see him getting more burn and burn every single practice. You saw him start a game on Sunday, and I don't want to look too much into who started, but obviously he's someone that they're looking at, or else he wouldn't be getting the burn, he wouldn't be getting the attention that he's getting, and he's getting that attention. So hopefully it's just a little ding, a little bump in the bruise, nothing too major. Now, uh, Coach Priscilla was asked also about the growth and improvement of Thayer Munford. I think he, Dylan, and, and Bam, I mean, the rookies that we have in this class, I think that's a tribute, number one, to them individually, for sure. But I think Coach has done a great job of, of instituting a support structure for them. Um, you guys, the things you don't see, you know, uh, of the rookies staying um, well through June to, to work on um, whether they're studying tape, whether they're working with the strength staff, whether they're working with our support staff, mental health. It's, it's truly it's, it's a good program that we have here that was already in place, and I think Coach McDaniels has instituted some things to help those rookies um, just kind of navigate the rigors of, of their first NFL season. So Thayer, like Dylan, like, like Bam, have all done well. There's uh, Coach Priscillo talking about Thayer Mufford, talking about uh, you know Dylan Parham, just talking about the rookies trying to grow and the extra work that they've been putting in that we don't get to see. You know, being there throughout the whole course of the offseason, just trying to work on their craft and improve. And, you know, you got to give Dylan Parham a lot of credit. I know we're talking about Thayer Munford a lot. I know we talk about Alex Leatherwood a lot. But, man, you got to give Dylan Parham a lot of credit that this dude is working through every position on the interior of that offensive line in games. He's played two games in the NFL, and both games he played all three different positions. Right? I mean, that's, that's something. And that is exactly, again, going back to what G GM Dave Ziegler has said, they want versatility. If you're not going to be the very best at a certain position, you better be versatile. And if you're not versatile, then you better be the very best at that one position because you might not have a spot on this team, especially an offensive lineman when you can only dress eight out on game day. So, of course, there's going to be challenges when it comes to offensive tackles and young guys, and that's what the Raiders have right now. Regardless of who ends up being out there, if it's Thayer Munford, young dude, rookie. If it's Alex Leatherwood, young dude, second-year guy. I mean, it just it really doesn't matter 
right? If it's other, if they go outside the building and bring someone in, there's a good chance that that person could be young. You know, you're looking at uh, guys on the other side. You know, I, I know Illuminor has been around for a little while. You know that Colton Miller's there, but uh, and I feel like Illuminor has really got a stranglehold on that that uh, swing tackle position. But there's a lot of youth just in general on, on the long the offensive line. So uh, Coach Brasillo was talking about the challenges working with young offensive tackles. Yeah, I think every season is is unique out of its own. Um, whether it's you know you have a mix of veterans, you're always going to have a mix of players. I mean, the length of the season, a lot of players are going to play. Um, looking at this group at this point, uh, I think it's 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 as you said. I mean, it is unique. It is a challenge. Um, they also they bring some youthful exuberance, and and we had talked before about you know these guys really working hard. And you know sometimes you get a, a veteran group, they kind of may have a, a governor that you sometimes are, are pushing them a little extra. Um, I really enjoy working with this group because of how hard they work and how eager they are to improve. There you go. Eager to improve. They work really hard. Young offensive tackles. And, I mean, they've got to grow up quick. You know, one of the things I said in the offseason before training camp ever got started, uh, the reason I thought that they should bring in a veteran offensive tackle is because they were young along that offensive line. You know, I mean, think about it. Andre James, second-year starter. You know, uh, John Simpson, he got one year under his belt. He does look, I'll say this, at left guard, he looks a lot more confident out there than he did a season ago. You know, and, and I think a lot of that obviously has to do with the, the, the burn that he was able to get last year. You know, even talking to him in the locker room following the game, you can hear the confidence in his voice. And then, of course, Lester Cotton, he hasn't started, right? He hasn't started at all at the right guard spot. So you've got the whole interior is, is young. Your right tackle, if it's Leatherwood or, or Munford, are young. I mean, four out of five guys are young dudes. You're only going to go as, as, as far as your, uh, you know, your offensive line goes. Matter of fact, uh, I don't know if, DeMond, you could find this clip, but it was Mike Martz when he was on the, on the morning tailgate, and he was talking about the offensive line. I, again, I don't know if you have this clip in there. I can't remember if we sent it over, but it was a, a point where he was talking about uh, or Orlando Pace, and he was talking about how they had Orlando Pace at the left tackle position, and then they just had everybody else. And basically, hey, Colton Miller is like their Orlando Pace, even though Orlando Pace is a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, they basically like that's that's who he is. And then they have everyone else and everyone else just has to do their job to the best of their ability because they have that solid dude at that left tackle position. Colton Miller is that solid dude. Here's Mike Bartz when he joined the morning tailgate. That's Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. And he was talking about the O-line and, and how Colton Miller is that dude. Well, I apologize for not knowing who the offensive line coach is but that it really kind of starts with him uh, i do believe that the really good offensive line when you take them separately generally the great offensive lines individually they're just they're okay but when you put them together they become exceptional that's what we had at the rams and we had orlando pace obviously but the other four guys were free agent late round draft picks and you know one of them had just gotten back from europe in that league and had surgery in his neck. You know, none of these guys were remarkable by any stretch of imagination. We became the best line in the, in the league in one year. And a lot of it had to do with how well they gelled together and trying to take advantage of some of the things that they can do so well and not asking them to do things that, uh, you know, a lot of different blocking schemes, you know, the running game, you know, a lot of double teams, that type of thing. Um, I do, you just want to get movement in the running game and not run sideways. Uh, those things, you know, simple, you know, basic fundamentals of the offensive line, old school type of thing in the passing game. You know, now that you're in the shotgun, get the ball out quick. 
you know, move them around a little bit, hard play action. I would say this, the best thing that they can do is uh, throw the ball on first down off a of play action, hard play action, and that's where you get your money. That's where you get those big plays, and I'm sure Josh will do that. But I wouldn't worry about that offensive line. I think injuries are always a thing that, that hurts it. But I think once they get going about one quarter of the way through the season, they just kind of gel and become where you have more success you have, the more confident they become in just being physical. Mike Martz right there. He knows a little something about offense, right? I mean, he was the engineer behind the greatest show on turf. Talking about the offensive line, you heard him talking about Orlando Pace and how he was obviously Orlando Pace. Exceptional. But everybody else was a jag, just another guy, right? I mean, that's that's who they, he, they were. And not saying that Alex Leatherwood or Lester Cotton or Andre James or John Simpson are just other guys, but they're guys that if, if they start building some confidence in themselves, they can get out there and get it done. Right. And so that you might not have to panic about the offensive line as much as, you know, we even talk about the offensive line. It might not be as big of a struggle as we think it's going to be. But at some point, they've got to get out there. They've got to be able to gel. You heard him say right there, they started to gel with each other. This offensive line hasn't started to gel with each other because they don't know who each other are right now. Uh, DeMond, we're going to skip up to the starting five. So here's, uh, here, here's Coach Carmen Brasillo being asked about if he knows, as a good idea at least, who he thinks the starting five is going to be for this Raiders offensive line. I would say that's something we're working on. I would say nothing is set in stone, and truly. And, I mean, I think the players will tell you that as well. I think competition is a great thing. It breeds all kinds, brings it all out. So short and sweet from Carmen Basillo about the starting five. It's still a work in progress, obviously, is what he's saying. I think that after this game on, on Saturday against Miami, they better have a pretty good idea of who's going to be the starting five. And I only say that because that, that fourth game, I know that that's probably going to be a dress rehearsal for most people. I don't know if it's going to be a dress rehearsal for the Raiders. I really don't. I'm not 100% sure because they do. This is, and this is why I say this. There's a reason to this. Because they have the scrimmage, the joint practices with the Patriots, I think they get more out of that than they'll get out of the game with the Patriots. Obviously, they're not going to show the Patriots anything. They've got to play them in the season. So I think that they'll get more out of the joint practices with – the, the Patriots, and they will out of the preseason game. So I think a lot is going to be kind of set in stone after those joint practices are over. So coming up after this game on Saturday against Miami, they should have a good idea of who their starting five offensive linemen are going to be. Some will tell you that four spots are already solidified, and I can see an argument for that. Colton Miller, obviously the left tackle. Andre James, center. Uh, Lester Cotton, the, the right guard. Um, and even if you want to put in the left guard and say John Simpson, I, I, I still think it's, it's the left guard and the right tackle are still up for grabs. Uh, I think most people will tell you that they feel like four spots are already taken. I think there's three taken for sure, right? And then there could be a, a competition at that left guard, and there could be competition at that right tackle as far as I'm concerned. So I'll say three out of five are already you know, pretty much set in stone. You never know. You don't know if Dylan Parham's going to end up starting the season or he's going to – you know, be quality backup this season. I think that he plays a role on this offensive line at some point this season. Speaking of the right guard, Lester Cotton, Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach, was asked, was he surprised by Lester Cotton? Yeah, you don't have that one? Okay, no problem. <laughs> we, we, don't have to, we don't have to go to that one yet. <laughs> Tamar gave me the, no, don't do it, Q. No, don't pitch to that one. We don't have that one ready. No problem. So, you know, with Lister Cotton, it is, it is uh, uh, you know, it, I would, I'd say that I'm a little surprised, 
right? I'll say that from as many times as he's been on the roster and then hasn't been on the roster and is on the roster, was out of football, I'm a little surprised. But guys like Adam Hill, who we had on the show earlier today, will tell you that he's not surprised because he, I really identified him. I, I want to give him credit and say that he probably identified him first as the guy that's winning in a lot of reps. But obviously there was a lot of work that he had to do to get to the point where he's at right now. So here's Carver Brasillo talking about Lester Cotton and if he's surprised by him. You have that tabula rasa, a clean slate, when I got here. Uh, so I'd heard some of the stories of, you know, Lester had been here, had not been here, came back. When I did the one-on-one interviews, Lester told me his story. I thought it was very interesting, and I've seen what, what he's been trending towards. So um, in that case, uh, Lester's been great to have. He's, he's a leader. Um, he's been through it. He's willing to speak up, speak to the rookies um, about his trials and tribulations thus far in his NFL. So uh, he's enjoyed uh, – I've enjoyed coaching him and seeing him just through this process thus far since we got here. There you go, Coach Carmen Brasillo right there talking about Lester Cotton. And uh, how cool is that? This guy hasn't even solidified the starting right guard spot, even though I feel like it's pretty close. And he's telling his story to the rookies and trying to help them out too. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't have to do that. He could be like, hell, man, I'm just now getting on myself. Y'all find your own way, right? He could be that guy. And, I, and honestly, I wouldn't blame him. Look, I'm just now getting my opportunity to shine, man. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to try to coach up the next guy that might take my job. He could selfishly do that. But he's not. And that goes back to his testimony that he gave us when he uh when he talked to us and just told him about where he was, uh, you know, wh- where he is now and how he got there. Uh just just man, again, there's a couple guys on this team that you could really find a a, a easy way to root for, regardless if you're a Raider fan or not. Lester Cotton's one of them. Thayer Mumford's another one. Both guys on the offensive line. I can really appreciate that, though, from Lester Cotton. Uh, two more little sound bites for, for you, and that's not from Coach Carmen Basillo. It's from T. Billy, Tyron Johnson. He met with us as well. These are shorter. He's usually pretty uh, short when he talks, which is fine. One thing that, Demond, both of you and I have said on this show is when it comes to Tyron Johnson, we know he's got speed. We know he can make plays. But what is, what is it that we continue to look for when it comes to T. Billy? Being consistent. Right. And you know what? To his credit, he said that multiple times. He told us that after the game on Sunday when we met with him in the locker room, and he brought it up again today. And, uh, you know, we, we asked him multiple times about it. But uh, here's Tyron Johnson talking about being more consistent and dependable. Just doing the same thing. Like with Josh, um, you can make this play right here, but your, your, your bad play can't be down here. It got to be, like, close to that. So that's what we mean by consistent and depend, uh, being dependable. Uh, you can make a great play, but – what do your race play look like? Is it, is it close to that or just fall off the map? So at the end of the day, I just want to be as close as to perfect as I can. And does that not sound like the conversation we've had on this show? Is that not exact conversation we've had when we say you could be a 10 one play, but you can't be a three the next play? That's exactly what he did when he said you could have a great play up here, but your bad play can't be down here. They got to be close to the same. And that's exactly what we talked about. It's better to be a consistent seven than an inconsistent ten and an inconsistent three. It's better to be, and I know that that I got that math right. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's better to be a, a consistent seven than an inconsistent ten and a three. That's the conversation we've had, Demond. We've had that plenty of times. Oh yeah, it feels like it feels good to hear him say it because we're not far off and we're not wrong when we make this analysis here on the show. Right. Josh McDaniels is telling him the exact same thing. Right, exactly. So the uh, final soundbite I want you to hear from Tyron Johnson is my question. After he said, you know, you, you can't have a, a, a great play here and a bad play here, you got to be more consistent, my follow-up question was, well, 
Do you think that you're close to that? How are you feeling about being that consistent guy where your your worst play is very close to your 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 great play? I think I'm putting it close. Uh, I'm working at it every day. Uh, Josh is on me about it. Uh, he wants me to be consistent and dependable. Dependable. So, um, so every day I'm working, I'm working at that. Trying to trying to be close to perfect, even when it's not. Because everything not gonna be perfect. It's football. But as close as perfect I could be, that's what I try to do. There you go. That's all you could ask for. And you heard him say, Josh is on me about that. Consistency, consistency, consistency. So, again, he's got all the tools. I can see him being a big-time player for this team. I know a lot of people are, are very high on him. We talked to Adam Hill earlier. He's high on him. Vinny Bonsignor, he's high on him. I'm high on him, too. I just want to see him do it, you know, more often. And if he could be that guy with his size and speed, man, that could be a tough, tough wide receiver room, which I think is going to be a tough wide receiver room anyway. But you add that guy in there, and, and you know what you're going to get from him, and you're cooking with grease. So I uh, just wanted to go ahead and pass those little sound bites along to you. Those are from media sessions we have earlier today, both with uh, offensive, uh, offensive uh, line coach Carmen Basillo, wide receiver Tyron Johnson. Uh, also talked to uh, Tayshawn Bauer, uh, the defensive lineman. And then who else did we talk to? We talk, Who else did we talk DJ to? DJ Turner. DJ Turner, wide receiver DJ Turner. I think he's a long shot to make the team, but I think he made he put himself in conversation on Sunday with the game that he had. So if he has a, another big game on Saturday against the Dolphins, then I think that the, the decision in that wide receiver room has really become difficult. And even DJ said, you know, hey, this is a big game for me. <laughs> it really is. I got to go out there and show what I can do. 422 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, uh, get to some calls and texts, and then Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports, she'll join us to talk all things Aces. She'll talk a little Sandra Douglas Morgan, talk about Nikki Fargus and Morris. Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text from Geese Mode. 13, I'm going for the under that the secondary doubles interceptions, but the secondary played well enough to allow the guy that led the league in quarterback pressures to finally get home. 13 sacks for Max Crosby this year, which would top his personal record, and they could be counted almost as good as defensive takeaways. That is from Geese Mode. And, yeah, I mean, that would that – would, Top his personal best by three sacks. Ten is his, his – that was what he had his rookie year, right? Ten sacks. And then uh, his second year, I think he dipped down to seven. And last year he had, what, eight? If, I, if I'm correct, and I'm not necessarily – I might be off by a number or so. Uh, so far throughout the course of the show, it's been proven that I've been off by a number or so. so. Ten, seven, and eight. Hey, there you go. I got it right this time. Cool. <laughs> Do that average. Do that. Do that math problem tomorrow. <laughs> I'm I'm just having fun. I pro don't don't take me seriously. I'm just having fun with it. I, I'm telling you, please don't take me seriously. But 13 for Max would be that would be awesome. That would be a hell of a season for him. You know, uh, he's got a he's got a push, and I'm sure he'll tell you he's probably pushing for double digit sacks every year, right? And and those pressures are great. Uh, that 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 helps lead to the turnovers that we're talking about. You know, you make the quarterback get the ball out of his hand quickly. That that can create a turnover quick, fast, in a hurry. But I'm sure Max, in, and he probably won't say it out loud because he's a team guy. He's not a me guy at all. I'm sure he would love to be at double-digit sacks each and every year. Right? I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that is that good. And I know I've said it before on this show multiple times. He looks really good in practice. And I know he's going up against the Raiders offensive line. That is still a work in progress, so that could be that could be part of it. 
But, man, that dude, he looks the part. Chandler Jones looks really good today, really good. And, you know, he, he missed a, a little stretch of, of practices. But, man, him out there today, he looked good. He, he blew up a couple plays. He wrecked. He wrecked. And when I say wrecked, he wrecked Alex Leatherwood on one play to the point where Alex was just – I mean, he, he looked like – straight up, he looked like he had lost, lost confidence after that. And you shouldn't be ashamed to, to get wrecked by Chandler Jones because it's Chandler Jones. Right, he's that damn good. But, man, he went around the, the corner on Alex Leatherwood so fast, and it just looked like Alex was reaching. And by the time he reached, it was too late. Chandler Jones was already at the quarterback, and it was a wrap. Chandler Jones was celebrating, and Alex Leatherwood's like, whoa, which, where did he go? And that, that's just how fast it happened. And then Chandler Jones uh, blew up a run play as well where he got a guy, got him a little high. Uh, Amir Abdullah, I, I believe, he, he uh, hit him a little high, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't anything dirty or anything. It was just the way that Abdullah went and the way that Chandler Jones was going. But he diagnosed that. Those are two plays that stood out to me in particular. But the, he was he was a boss. I mean, he really was. So Chandler Jones, I know a lot of people question exactly uh, what he's got left in the tank. I think he's got plenty. And we'll see it sooner rather than later. Don't expect to see him until September 11th. You know, I don't expect to see him out there. And, and really, honestly, don't expect to see Max Crosby out there either. Maybe they get a little bit of burn. Um, in, in one of these final two games, but probably not, right? I mean, you kind of know what these guys already bring to the table. But the defensive line in general, they were really I, – I feel like that they totally dominated practice today. This is one of those where you could walk away and say, yeah, that defensive line, that, they were the winners. They, they did a hell of a job, and they did. Uh, from the interior, it looked like they were doing really well. Uh, the outside guys were doing really well. Colton Miller, of course, of course held his own. thought Thayer Mumford did pretty well. Now, there was a couple moments where he got beat as well, but, um, you know, him leaving the practice early, that wasn't a good sign. But, man, the, the defensive line looks really good this year. And, again, going back to turnovers, which has been the theme of the show today, if that defensive line could get home, get those pressures, get their hands on the quarterback, make them run a little bit, put them on the, on the go, turnovers are going to happen. They're going to come. And Chandler Jones, I know we're talking about interceptions, but Chandler Jones, uh, if you go back and look at his history of what he's been able to do, all those forced fumbles that he has on strip sacks, that's going to that's gonna show something too for this Raiders team when they, uh, they have that opportunity to, to, to make plays. So we'll get back to your text. Gizmo, thank you so much for that. 13 was the number he had for Max Crosby. Join us now on the phone lines to talk all things LV Aces. This is our good friend Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News and Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, thanks so much for your time. How excited and pumped up are you for Aces playoff basketball starting tonight? Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, on Sunday, I was losing my hearing at the game because it was so loud inside Michelob Ultra Arena. You know, a record attendance for the Aces of over 10,000 fans there. Um, and I was talking to Nikki Fargus, the Aces president. She said it was just an awesome electric atmosphere. And to have uh, Mark Davis sitting front row and center, even though, you know, the Raiders were playing right across the street, getting ready for their preseason game. Um, it was awesome. It was so special uh, for the regular season finale when, you know, the Aces took down the storm and in a shootout, too. You know, that was a great game on Sunday against the storm. So, um, definitely pumped up for tonight. I'm in the studio at Fox 5, you know, kind of finishing up the shows here. And then I'm headed to the Michelob Ultra Arena tonight. Uh, I know they're giving out, like, these wristbands, these LED light-up wristbands to the first 8,000 fans. So if you go to the game tonight, you're going to get a wristband. And the whole theme for tonight is to light up the house. So 
I'm excited. I know I know the Aces are excited, so I'm ready. Playoff action here in Vegas, and I know this Aces team is so hungry to, to win a championship. They've come close the past few years, but under Becky Hammond, you know, if they can bring home a championship to Las Vegas in Becky Hammond's first year, that would be huge for the Aces. That would be incredible. And they've been in the playoffs four years in a row. They've been doing some really good things. I know the Mercury, the team that they faced tonight, they uh, knocked them out to end their season last year, their playoff run. Uh, just what are your expectations for them going up against the Mercury, obviously without Brittany Griner, who we still all wish that she was home, but uh, without Brittany Griner, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, this is a different Mercury team than they're going to see that, you know, than they've seen last year. You know, yeah. uh, Diana Taurasi's out. She's injured right now with a quad injury. No Brittany Griner. Um, and then Skylar Diggins Smith is, is, you know, not with the team right now. So uh, those are three key oh, players right. that, that the Mercury are no longer, uh, or, you know, Diana Taurasi's injured. But, right. um, you know, it's, it's a different team they're going to see tonight for sure. Just the way the Aces have been playing lately, just closing out the game strong defensively. Asia Wilson, a beast on both ends of the court. Uh, we saw, you know, on Sunday night what she can do defensively. Um, so it's exciting to see. And Chelsea Gray, you know, she went off, had a career night on Sunday, posting up 33 points. So uh, when you got when you got that energy, you got that juice going. I was talking to Becky Hammond just about the way the Aces closed out the regular season, winning four straight, making that switch, you know, coming back from the All-Star break. She just says there's a buy-in right now. You know, there, she's got her team locked in uh, chemistry-wise. You know, they're locked in. There's a buy-in uh, to her to her team right now. And someone asked Asia Wilson, like, you know, what do you got to do to pump up your team for the playoffs? And she said, it's the playoffs. You know, <laughs> I don't need to say anything to my teammates. It's the playoffs. Like, I don't got to say anything. Um, you know, Asia Wilson, you know, like if you saw on Twitter, she was hyped up yeah. uh, after the game on Sunday, asking everyone to come out to the McLoble Arena. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's just the, the mentality of this Aces team. You don't need to tell them that it's the playoffs. You know, they've been playing lights out all season long. But, um, you know, the very first media day we had with the Aces uh, preseason, it was like, you know, we're hungry, we're fighting, we're yep. pissed off. We're trying to win a title. We're trying to be the first major professional sports team in Las Vegas to win a title. So, um, you know, and, and, and under Becky Hammond, like, how? Why not? In her first year, they've come this far. So um, I'm excited to see to see how far they'll go this year. Paloma, that's crazy that we're talking about the media day. I, we were there, right? We did the show there, yeah. uh, all right there, and now all of a sudden we're talking about playoffs. It, it felt like it was just yesterday, and Woo! here we here we are already. <laughs> it's time for the playoffs. That's crazy. You know, we, we talk about Asia Wilson all the time. We talk about Kelsey Plum all the time, but you brought up Chelsea Gray, and, man, yeah. the point guard, she is fantastic. Yeah. She is really the engine that makes this team go. What have you seen from Chelsea? And like you mentioned, had that career-high game on Sunday. Yeah, she's special. I mean, she's special. She is the voice of this team, the heart of this team. Um, you know, I think she missed a game uh, earlier this season for personal reasons, and, and, and all her teammates were saying, man, she's the captain of this team. You know, she's the voice of our team. She's, you know, our coach out there. Uh, and, and to see just the style that she plays with, her passion, her fancy passes, her behind-the-back passes, uh, you know, her buzzer three-pointers, you know, she's, she's really special. And I was sitting down with Nikki Fargus, the Aces team president, earlier uh, yesterday, 
And she just said, you know, you can't talk about the aces and you can't talk about, you know, the talent on this team without mentioning Chelsea Gray and what impact she's had this season. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see just the talent they have. Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray. These are, you know, Olympic gold medal uh, athletes that we're watching this season. And, and for them to all re-sign under Becky Hammond, lock up a few more years here in Vegas, it's just exciting what the future is here in Vegas with Becky Hammond. Talking right now at Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Demond's got one for you. Yeah, Paloma, I saw a stat that the LV Aces, that they're the first team in WNBA history to have two players score over 700 points in a season yeah. with Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum. Just how dynamic is this offense with those two leading the helm? I mean, they were in the running for the MVP, and, you know, we saw at the All-Star game Kelsey Plum go off All-Star MVP. Um, but it, it, it's just awesome when you're sitting courtside and you're just seeing them flow offensively especially on Sunday's game against Seattle it was a shootout you know Asia Wilson can shoot the three Kelsey Plum can shoot a million threes in in a single night you know she's she's a dog out there but it's it's just incredible to see the talent um you know I'm I'm thinking Kelsey Plum is is going to be a legend in this league. Asia Wilson is going to be a legend in this league. You know, when you talk about the Sioux Birds and, and, and everyone who's come before them, I see Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum being a legend in this league. And I grew up with Kelsey Plum, man, so it's cool to see uh, a neighbor of mine, you know, a girl I went to high school with to, to flourish and see her career take off. So, Sometimes I'll be like, hey, famous, like, you know, how are you doing? So, um, yeah, and, and just the fact that they're, they're so humble, they're so approachable. You know, Kelsey Plum invited a fan who was dealing with cancer, yeah. with breast cancer, stage four breast cancer. Kelsey Plum got her courtside tickets sitting right next to the Aces bench. So not only are they, you know, superstars in the WNBA, but they also care about our, about our community and our, our local fans. And that's what I think people love about the Aces is they're incredible, incredible athletes on the court, but they're also incredible people off the court too. Yeah, that was awesome. I saw that and I thought, man, that, that was a hell of a gesture right there. And I remember uh, what the, the young fan had a sign the day before talking about Kelsey Plum or talking about the stage four cancer she was dealing with. And then Kelsey turned around and did that. I thought that was Really a great gesture uh, from her, on her end and also the Aces as well. And Paloma, uh, what about Nikki Fargus? You, you mentioned a couple times you talked to her. She's the team president. You got to talk to Sandra Douglas Morgan the other day. She's the team president yeah. of the Raiders. And I, I saw a quote from you about Nikki Fargus saying what Mark Davis is doing for women in sports mm-hmm. in general is incredible. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I have the opportunity to work alongside these incredible women, Nikki Fargus, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president, you know, of the Raiders and, and right. the general manager of the Aces, Natalie Williams. Um, it's, it's inspiring for me to sit next to these women at games, pick their brain, get to get to hear their perspective on everything, get to see how they run, um, you know, a sports franchise. You know, I get to look up to these women and girls in our community here in Las Vegas get to see Sandra Douglas Morgan, get to see Nikki Fargus and say, I can do that one day. You know, my daughters can do that one day. You know, um, I'm Hispanic and, you know, I work with a lot of different minorities here at Fox 5 and 
you know, we, we see women of color in, in leadership positions and we can say, you know, I can do that one day. My daughter now has an opportunity to be the president of an NFL franchise if she, if she wants to. So it's just incredible that, you know, these women are here in our community. They're approachable. You can come up to them and say hi to them and, and get to pick their brain and, you know, talk about their experience. How, how's your job? You know, how, how are things going? You know, how can I follow your footsteps? So, you know, my hat goes off to Mark Davis and the women he's hiring and just the fact that he's showing the world it is okay to hire a woman to run a, a, a sports team. It is okay to hire a woman of color to run a, a sports team. So right. it's, it's incredible. And I'm, I'm just so honored that I get to, you know, sit down with them, pick their brains and, and, you know, figure out how I can help other young girls and young women, um, you know, take a step in the right direction. Well, I'll tell you what, they're, they're looking up to you anyway, because what you're doing on the daily is incredible. <laughs> so just keep doing what you're doing and, and they'll follow in the footsteps. But yeah, the, having the opportunity to have those two interviews, uh, one with Sandra Douglas Morgan and then one with Nikki Fargus is incredible. I mean, what a, what a great opportunity that was. So congratulations on that. And uh, real quick, before we let you go, getting back to the game tonight and, and just really the playoff run in general, uh, without having Dierica Hambry, Hambry out there uh, because of the knee injury, you know, do, do they have enough depth if they if they get pushed a little bit uh, later on in these these games? Yeah, well, Kia Stokes is coming in for Dierica Hamby, and you know, Becky Hammond is still um, she's still not up to date with you know when Dierica Hamby is going to be able to come. She's been telling us it's still two to four weeks for Hamby mm. um, and her knee injury yeah. that she's going through right now. Hamby is on crutches. I mean, she came out on crutches. Uh, on Sunday at the game. So obviously they're going to be really careful with her, um, especially because she's a player that, you know, is, is, is there with the Aces for a few years. So right. they don't want to do anything with her. Um, but Kia Stokes, Kia Stokes is, is a player that caught my attention on Sunday defensively. You know, she, she, she had a really strong defensive performance uh, on Sunday against the Storm. So Kia Stokes is a player that steps up. Uh, Raquana Williams is a player that steps up in, in, in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they can get their bench flowing and, and they can have their starters having a great night, uh, you know, we've seen we've just seen the Aces close out the regular season strong with four straight wins. It's kind of just made that that switch, that flip coming back from the all star break. So my best goes out to Dierica. Obviously, she's she's had an incredible season too, stepping up uh, starting this season. And, and we wish the best for her. But I can see why Becky Hammond is just being cautious with her and just making sure nothing happens uh, if they put her in too soon. Right. No, as they should. It just it stinks because, man, what a good player she was. A great player, actually, she was for the team early on in the season before the injury. Well, Paloma, great stuff as always. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, I didn't even get to talk UNLV with you because, I mean, you know, we just were talking <laughs> so much aces. We'll catch up with UNLV as they're going to get back yeah. uh, go, get back going sooner rather than later. So uh, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy Enjoy this playoff run, and, and like I said, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Q. Sounds good. Bye. All right, see ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. And, yeah, wanted to ask her about UNLV. You know, she's been out at practice every single day. You know, Steve Cofield from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, he's been out there every single day. UNLV is going to be back in action sooner rather than later, right? That's how it goes. High school football, college football, the NFL. That's exactly how it goes. And so uh, once once the Rebels start playing football again, you know the Raiders are right around the corner. So there's that. How excited are you for uh, Rebel football, Damon? I'm excited, but there still hasn't been an announcement on who the starting quarterback is. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, 
playing mind tricks with the other teams. Yeah, I mean, three good options. And I know people say that, and it's like, yeah, get real. But, you know, the past two quarterbacks are both coming off of freshman of the year winners in the Mountain West. And you've got Harrison Bailey transferring in from Tennessee. So it's exciting. But speaking of local football, also high school football. Yeah. Also coming back. I think I, got, I, think I read that press release back. The Friday Night Showcase is back this Friday. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, unfortunately, I got to do a, a ESPN Las Vegas or ESPN national show from six to ten p.m. So I won't be able to go out to that game. But you might be able to go out there uh, and do some things. Oh yeah! As soon as this show is off the air, I'm speeding out to Sierra Vista to go. Well, watch don't that speed. Game. Go, oh, go oh, the excuse go me, excuse the, me. Yeah, go the speed limit. I want you to be safe. I will be safe. I am safely <laughs> going to get the Sierra Vista and watch the uh, Friday Night Showcase. Okay, cool. And on top of that, the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week Award is going to come back. Uh, each and every week where we get to talk to a high school football coach here on the show. So everything is back, man. And uh, last year's, I think, shows were fantastic. And I think this year's shows are going to be even better with everything that we have coming for you uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. One little side note, if you're trying to listen to the Aces and Mercury tonight, uh, tip-off is at 7 p.m. and it's usually on ESPN Las Vegas. But because of scheduling um, conflicts, tonight it's going to be on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, it's on Fox Sports, the first game of the series. And then every re- the rest of the games for the, the playoffs will be on ESPN Las Vegas, which is 1100, and then uh, 100.9 FM is going to be the rest of the Aces game. So there you go. Just want to make sure you're tuned into those as well because those are going to be really good games. And, again, it all starts at 7 p.m. at the Michelob Ultra Arena. 4.46 is the time. Take a quick break. We'll come back with Real or Fake as DeMond is going to close us out here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You'll see Good, Bad, and the Ugly, like an old Clint Eastwood movie. Um, they're improving. They're, they're working on their craft. Uh, I think – position especially a tackle as challenging it is in this league um, it's it's got to be constant improvement we can't ever get satisfied now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q 451 is the time just got a few minutes before we wrap up today's show make sure you're waking up with the morning tailgate 7 a.m to 10 a.m with clay baker vinnie bonsignor and heidi fang Again, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Before we get into real or fake, let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line talk to our guy Juan the Smasher right here in the 702. Juan, what's up, my man? What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man, chilling. I know that's right. I just want to shout out to Aces, man, and hopefully those, those ladies can uh, get that championship for Vegas. That'll be dope. And uh, for the defense, for my boy Mad Max and Chandler Jones, I really do hope that those guys can put that pressure so my boy uh, Trayvon Moore, he, he could get those picks, him and, uh, and Nate Hobbs, because I, I could see my boy uh, Moore step up this year and actually catch those balls because I was sick when he dropped that pick against Washington. But I'm, I'm really, man, I, I, thought, I thought we had that. As soon as he dropped that pick, I was like, there goes the ball game right there. But that's not going to happen this year, Q. I, I'm going to tell you why, because he's going to be out there like baby stickums, and he's going to take them for six. And you guys have a good one, Q. Let's go Raiders. All right, will do. Juan the Smasher right there. Got to catch up with him this weekend as well. It's good to see you, my man, and great call. I do appreciate that. Uh, one quick text before before we get into real or fake, Demond. We got this from, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and read the text. If you don't know this, I'll pass this along. Demond and I are actually going to this Friday night under the lights high school football game. I'm wearing Demond's high school letterman jacket with all of his basketball awards. Oh, wait, it's a leather vest and not a letterman jacket. My bad. Sincerely, Kayla. That's actually from Sir Whiskey Ray. No. That's what you call fake. <laughs> Real or fake? Fake. That's uh, hilarious. 
All right, for the real or fake today, Q, I've got to ask you, I don't know if you know about the St. Brown family, the NFL wide receivers. Um, there no. are a couple of um. There's Armand St. Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Brown. Right. Okay. Yes, and their father. I remember there was a real sports piece on him years ago, and he's like, "I'm trying to coach all three of my sons up, you know, to be in the NFL." Okay. Last, his last name is just Brown, but he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna add St. Brown just so they sound, you know, like like Shut up. athletes." That's yes. not real. That That's is, not that real. That's yeah, not you, real. There's more to go on. <laughs> so last night he makes his appearance on Hard Knocks, and you know, because he's lift, you know, he's coached up his sons. He's a former body lifter and he's talking about oh yeah you know got to be tough you know building up them lifting weights and he's like kevin durant towards achilles when's the last time he's done a calf race so real or fake do you think that this saint brown dad is trying to be the new lavar ball oh man uh yes that's real that's real deal that's funny i didn't know that that's who that was i just saw that clip during a commercial break and i think someone tweeted out and said kd's catching strays or something and, and kevin durant quote tweeted it he quote tweeted and said something about today or something like it was it was weird. But yeah, KD uh, quote tweeted. I didn't know that that's who that was. Yeah, he's definitely trying to be Levar Ball. No doubt about it. that's got to be one hundred percent real. One hundred percent real. <laughs> and then another thing that I saw, I watched just like some random clip, and it was D Wade, you know, playing at his alma mater. This is still like pre big. Big three way, you know, so still got some bouncing his step. Okay. And he's out there, you know, at his old high school, and he is just giving it to these kids. He's mic'd up, and he's talking the most trash. But the one that would have just broke my spirit if I'm in high school, you know, he, sh- he turn around, fade away, and the kid said, that's off. And D-Wade says, off in your face. Are you asking for a switch after that? <laughs> he didn't say it to that kid. And it, say it to the kid. He didn't say it to the kid. Well, I mean, I guess it, off in your face is better than what, you know, he could have said. But, man. That's cold. That's cold game. Did he at least say it laughing? Nope. <laughs> you know, and he was mic'd up, and it was, for me, that would have been the, hey, who got him? Who, you know, next time, I don't want no parts of this man no more. Oh, man. That, yeah, I would have taken that one a little personal, man. Uh, is that really real? Did he really do He didn't really do that. Well, I will go find it, and I will see Well, then again, you know what? You. No, this is this is not retired D-Wade. This is, this is player days D-Wade. So, yeah, okay. I, I Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but I'm not switching off on him. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm a glutton for punishment. I'll come back for more. You know, I'll be like, I can prove that I can get you. I can prove that I can slow you down or I can stop you. I would be that guy. I would try to do that. That's why I ended up with child support in my life because I, ba- <laughs> I, t- I went back too many times trying to prove a point. <laughs> you, go by, you go back one too many times and, well, game over. <laughs> Game over. Well, we'll be back out at practice tomorrow. Excited about that. Nice and early. Just got the email from the Raiders. Josh McDaniels will be talking at 845 in the morning. So we'll be uh, we'll be out there prior to that to talk to the coach. And then practice starts around 930. We'll wrap up around 1130 like it did today. Then players and coaches will talk as well. So that's the lineup. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Vinny, Clay, and Heidi here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Good night.